Hey. Okay, um, so good morning, church. Good morning, Kid Nation. Um, we're doing things a little bit different this morning than we have done. We're uh, running a little bit of a skeleton crew, but that's okay. Like, that's good. We still can gather together. We still can engage together with God in a meaningful way. And so typically, this is a time where we'd pause our singing, and we would read together a scripture passage. And I'd like to do that, but I'd like to do that with Kid Nation if, if, they will, uh, if they'll lock in with me for a minute. Hey, Kid Nation. Hey, Kid Nation. You guys talk to Mr. Ryan. Why don't you talk to me? Hey, Kid Nation. Hey, good morning. Hi. Go, go back over there. Okay, so I want to read with you and tell you guys a story out of Luke chapter 24. And what has happened is Jesus has died. So Jesus spent all of this time um, teaching his 12 disciples. They were his closest friends, and they, they walked with him. They spent all their time with him. They hung out with him. But now he's dead. He's, he's been crucified, and they don't know that he's coming back. They've forgotten what he told them. So in Luke 24, they're going home. They're leaving what, all of this bad stuff that has happened, and they're walking home, and they're sad. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's where all this bad stuff had happened. They're walking back to this other city. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they are walking home, and this stranger comes up and is like, hey, can I walk with you? And they're walking with this guy. They don't know who he is. They've never met him before. And they're just walking and talking. And he said to them, this stranger said, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. So they're talking with this guy, they don't know him, they're walking, all this bad stuff has happened, they're real sad, and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they say, well, don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? Don't you know about this guy, Jesus? He was a really great teacher, he was a prophet, we followed him, and we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel, but he died, and now we don't know what to do. Now we're going home, now we're sad. And to make matters worse, some of our friends say that his body has disappeared, they don't know where he is, and they're even suggesting that maybe he's alive again. So they're telling this stranger all these things that have happened. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they were going near to the village which they were going, and he acted he was going to go farther, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and he went in to stay with them. So 
They're walking with this stranger. He start, they say, don't you know what happened? And like all of this bad stuff has happened. And he says, hey, don't you get it? This is exactly how it was supposed to go. And, and this guy opens up the Bible and he shows on every single page all through the Old Testament how the whole story is pointing to the Messiah and that the way that the Messiah was going to live was he was going to live and he was going to suffer and die in order to redeem Israel. They thought that when the Messiah came, he was going to come and he was going to kick out the rulers and he was going to be a king and he was going to kill people with a sword. But he says, no, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to die in order to redeem Israel. And he shows them from all across the Old Testament, all that stuff. Then he goes and he eats with them. And as they're sitting down at the table, they recognize him. This guy, who we thought was a stranger, is Jesus. So he is alive. He is alive and he is walking with us and he is showing us and he is teaching us. And that's how the book of Luke ends. That Jesus walks with them and he shows them all of this stuff. So in times where we feel dark and we feel scared and we feel like nothing's going right, we know that Jesus is there and he's walking with us. And because he has suffered, we can have hope when we are suffering too. All right? Cool? So what's some hand motions like, that we could put for the big idea that Jesus walks with us? Can we think of some hand motions? Yeah. This is Uncle Ryan's specialty. I need your help. What you got? Okay, so Jesus walks with us. Maybe we should put our arms around each other. Is that cool? So, what? No, I mean like in the hand motion, not like right now. So, so Jesus walks with us. Because we're together, right? We're not alone. We're walking together, all right? So one more time. Jesus walks with us. <laughs> All right, good deal. Thanks, Kid Nation. You guys got color and stuff. You're going to work on some stuff. Yeah, stickers are great. Awesome. We are going to together stand and sing, church, uh, another song. Each January, the church across Highlands County comes together to begin the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Across churches and traditions, individual believers commit to commune daily with our Lord and Savior to follow his example in a fast. Jesus himself practiced these disciplines, not because he needed to become more devout, but because he loved to be with his Father. Even Jesus knew that there was nothing more important, more nourishing to his soul than abiding in the love of the Father. That intimacy is what gave him the strength to be obedient to the point of his death on the cross. As those sent out to proclaim the message of Christ's resurrection and the freedom he has bought with the price of his blood, we have the promise of the power of the Spirit to go with us and be in us for the journey. We are his messengers to this place. Through hardship and tribulation, the commission remains. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The church is not under threat because of the COVID-19 pandemic because God cannot be surprised and has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Join us, a community of Jesus followers across racial, generational, denominational lines for this year's Abide 21 journey. We will be committing ourselves to the intentional worship of the Lord through fasting and prayer from January 11th through January 31st. 
we hope that you will begin asking the Lord how you might practice the disciplines of prayer and fasting over these 21 days to nourish your love for Christ. Our Heavenly Father is ready to work in and through His church according to His good pleasure. Join us in abiding with the Lord and with one another during this year's 21-day journey of prayer and fasting. Um, this morning, church, we're going to start, or we're starting a new series that, we're, that is called Abide. Um, and so that video, uh, who recognized any of the faces that were on that video? Nobody. We don't know any of these people. This is not, they, they started, this is in Highlands County. Um, and this is something that they've now done for a number of years where churches in Highlands County get together and they just set aside 21 days. Hey, we're going to pray. We're going to spend some time fasting. We're going to seek the Lord together. And this is something that I like. This is something that's, that's great about this as far as I'm concerned. We don't, y'all don't recognize those faces. These are not um, celebrity preachers. This is not an initiative that is driven by um, personality. This is not like, okay, I know this guy, like I bought his books, like now I'm going to go and do this thing. No, these are normal churches in Florida, uh, normal churches with normal pastors doing normal stuff and just saying, hey, like it's, it's kind of unusual for us to all do the same thing together, but let's do it. And so I'm excited to partner, um, partner with these other churches across the state of Florida as we join this initiative um, and just take some time at the beginning of the year to focus in on, on God, focus in on Jesus and what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. But to, to, today, uh, what I'd like to look at is the first chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. So on page... 1134, if you're using the blue Bibles here. <clears throat> Before we get into that, though, um, I'd like to pause and just take a few moments in prayer. And then as I, as I come to the conclusion of my prayer, I'll move into the disciples' prayer and just ask you to pray along with me. Would you pray? Father, um, we thank you for something unusual. <laughs> we thank you for, for breaks and disturbances in our regular pattern. God, we thank you for reminders, <laughs> constant, it seems like they are this year in particular, that we are not in control. But Lord, we come today, we pause everything else that's going on to just acknowledge that you are the king and you are the Lord over the universe. And that in your wisdom and in your love, you want to use us, and you want to walk with us. So we thank you, and we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
So we're going to look together in Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to look real quickly just at the first couple of verses. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So that's, that's it. That's all I want to read right this second. So, if you are not familiar with it, I want to introduce you to this book of Acts that we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at together. And if you'll notice, as it opens, it says, in the first book, which means that this is the second book, at least the second book. Uh, so there's a book before this one, and it's written to Theophilus, and, he's de- and in the first book he began with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So this book is written by Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke was a physician, he was educated, and he walked, uh, he was not somebody who walked with Jesus, but was somebody who came to follow Jesus through uh, somebody else's ministry. And he spends some time walking with Paul and traveling with Paul. In fact, as you get towards the end of the book of Acts, he stops talking about what they did and starts talking about what we did. We went from here to there. We went from there to there. And so Luke is part of the story that he's recording. But his purpose in writing things down, and, and the first book is, it has his name. It's called Luke. It's a biography of Jesus. We sometimes will call it a gospel. And that book opens with, I set out to write down an orderly account. So there's lots of things going on. There are lots of people writing down lots of different things, and I wanted to put things in order. It seemed good to me, even though there are other accounts that have other purposes, I wanted to write one that was in good order. I wanted to write one that was logical. I wanted to do research. So I went around and I talked to eyewitnesses, and I talked to people who were still alive, and I asked them to tell the stories about what Jesus did. And in the first book, I began, or I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So... For all of the 24 chapters of Luke, that was the beginning of what Jesus was doing. But by that being the beginning, that means that when we approach the book of Acts, that doesn't mean that Jesus is gone and that he's no longer active. This is what he continued to do. What Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So right here, I'm going to have to skip a couple pictures to get to it, I think. Right here we see our big idea, that Jesus entrusts his work to those who follow him. The biography about Jesus was what Jesus began to do and teach. He began teaching in his life, but he didn't stop when he was killed, executed, and when he was resurrected and he ascended into heaven. That wasn't the end of the work that Jesus was doing. Jesus entrusts his work. He continues to entrust his teaching to those who follow him. So let's continue reading. Acts chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 3. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. We're going to pause there. So, the book of Luke records what Jesus began to teach. The book of Acts opens with a transition, a handing of the baton, where Jesus does this entrusting to the people that are, that are following him. So he's investing in his apostles. He's investing with, in the people that have followed him. Um, he presented himself alive after many sufferings. That's what we talked about with Kid Nation in Luke 24. The, the disciples and the people who were following Jesus don't know what to do. They just saw the person they've been following be crucified. And they didn't really like have Twitter. Like News didn't travel real fast. They were all in the same city, but word traveled by word of mouth. So they, everybody saw him die. It was a public execution. But there were only a couple people who saw him resurrected. And so some people are leaving Jerusalem. They're walking home. They're going, man, this is, a, this is a bus. I can't believe we spent so much time listening to that guy jabber on and on. Like, he could talk forever. And it was really entertaining. Like, when he started going at the Pharisees, like, he really got under their skin. That was cool. But then they killed him. Like, what a dud. And so they're walking home, and they're frustrated. They're upset. And this stranger comes along, is walking beside him on the road. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's been going on? Don't you know about Jesus? Don't you hear about how like, he was a great rabbi, he was a great prophet? He made everybody angry, and then they killed him? But, but now we've got some friends who are saying he's not dead, that he's come back to life, that they went to the grave and his body is gone, so we don't know if his body's been stolen or if something else has happened. Maybe he is really alive, but we don't know. But like, we've put too much time in this already. I've got to go to work on Monday, so we're going back. We're leaving. And this stranger says, you've misunderstood the Messiah. You've misunderstood the anointed one. You thought he was coming to redeem Israel with a sword. You thought he was going to come in and he was going to kick the Roman uh, Caesar off of his throne and you thought he was going to set Israel up to be the kingdom that it was supposed to be right now. But look at the Old Testament. Read the passages. The whole thing points to the Messiah suffering the Messiah being delivered over, the Messiah taking our sin upon himself, the redemption that Jesus came to accomplish in his first coming was our salvation by his death. Oh. They go home and this, they invite this stranger in and they're eating and as he is breaking bread, I know him. That's him. That's, that's Jesus. That, you're him. I know him. The last time that we broke bread was like the Last Supper, and you made it really weird with all of the things you said. But like now you're breaking bread, and I know it's you. And then he's just gone. Like he leaves him. And here he's with the disciples in verse 6. So they come together and say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom, of, the kingdom to Israel? We thought you were coming to redeem Israel, and you didn't do it. Like now you're resurrected. Like who can argue with a zombie? Like, you're back from the dead. Rome killed you, and now you're back. So now, obviously, you're here to turn the tables. You're going you're gonna to overthrow the government, right? 
He said to them, it's not for you to know this time or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So they're asking about, okay, Jesus, like, you were, when you were born, all that king talk. Your mom was talking about how you were the king. Your uncle was talking about how you were the king. Like, we thought you were the king that was going to sit on the throne of David. And then you've died, you've been killed by your enemies, and, but, but, but now you're resurrected. Like, are you going to set the, the kingdom, are you going to establish the kingdom on earth now? It's not for you to know. That's not what I came for this time. I'm not done yet. This is the work, that's the work I began to do. That's the teaching I began to give. I'm not finished yet, but now I have something for you to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city that they're in, in Judea, which is the province that Jerusalem was in, and in Samaria, which is kind of the province next door, and then to the ends of the earth. Like he kind of zooms out on the globe. You're going to be my witnesses everywhere you go. Everyone's going to hear about me because of your word. And he's taken up in a cloud. He's gone. But he says there's, there, there's a moment of power coming to you. With the events that we've seen on the news this week, I feel like it's important for me to clarify something for you. The power that Jesus says that we will be entrusted with is the power of the Holy Spirit. He is not promising power over the government. He is not saying that we have permission to overthrow the government. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people what you have seen me do. And what is the thing that is in their mind right now? The Messiah is risen from the dead, which means that he died, which means that he suffered, which meant that the example that Jesus set for us is patient and quiet suffering. Peter says it later on in a letter that he writes, the example that Jesus left for us was one of suffering. And we can stand confident in whatever the government happens to throw our way because our example is one of suffering. Our hope is not in this world. Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth given to him. He holds it. And he is in submission to the Father. And the Father has a time where he's going to set all the government straight. God is the judge. And he will judge. But right now, the example that we have is patient suffering. Being good citizens. If anybody was going to overthrow the government, if anybody had the power to do it, with the sword, with armies of angels, Jesus could have. But he 
who was equal with God, who was himself God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, to hold on to with both fists and to say, you will not take this from me. But he submitted himself to death, even death on a cross, so that every tongue on heaven and on earth would look at him and declare, Jesus is Lord. He does not grasp power. It is given to him freely when people see his power over sin and death. That's a lot more talking about the news than I ever really care to do. But I I would like to be clear that when you see people waving Jesus banners and guns, that they might not be talking about the Jesus that Jesus would have them talk about. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses everywhere you go. Let's continue reading in verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. <clears throat> so Jesus is taken up. And they're just kind of standing there. Uh, what now? <laughs> Angel shows up and says, hey, um, what you doing? Why, why are you looking in the sky? I'm seeing things I've never seen before. Like, I don't, I, like what, where else do I look? The one who is taken from you will return in the same way you saw him come. So they go back to Jerusalem. They gather together and they devote themselves to prayer. I thought this week I would need... Um, I would need to make the case for why we would take and set aside 21 days to pray. I thought, thought I'd have to convince you it was a good idea. Um, if you can't find a reason to pray this week, then we need to have a different kind of conversation. I wept for my children this week. God, deliver us from evil. Because I don't know. I'm out of I can't do it. And then, having seen Jesus and walked with Jesus, having had them taken away, and now being left here, Jesus having entrusted his work to those who are following him, now those who are following him are like, what do we do? I guess, I guess we pray. And they are devoting themselves to prayer. So, so will we pray now? <clears throat> got 21 days it starts tomorrow all right so you've got you've got the rest of the day to to do some consideration will we pray now 
<clears throat> will you fast now? And fasting, I realize, is not something that we talk about a ton. We will often say, like, prayer and fasting um, as though they're peanut butter and jelly and we know what they do. Um, but, but, but I realize that we haven't really talked very much about fasting. And so um, I'll just say fasting is when you set aside something that you regularly, is a regular part of your life, you set it aside for a limited period of time in order to take that time that is normally devoted to the thing and devote it to prayer. And that absence, you've heard the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder, that absence of what is regular in your life reminds you, oh, I'm hungry for God. So, typically, the way that this, is, that this happens is, is you fast food. You, you, you don't eat for a certain period of time. <clears throat> there are people who have fasted for 21 days. I'm, if, you're, if you're not in the habit of fasting food, I don't, don't recommend just tomorrow not eating and then trying to go 21 days. You, you probably will not make it. One way or the other, you will not make it. There is a, there is a, um, it's a training type thing where uh, you build up to it like a marathon. You wouldn't try to run a marathon tomorrow, so don't try to fast food for 21 days. Maybe your fast of food is one meal uh, once a week or one meal every day. But don't just work through lunch. Stop at lunch and the lunchtime you would normally have and, and, and sit down and look at the scripture and pray. And, and seek God's face. It's not just setting aside something for the sake of like religious duty and like I can muscle through this and I don't need that. I don't need my coffee. It's to say, <laughs> it's to say, all right, God, I've set this aside, so would you take this hunger that I feel towards this thing and would you put it towards you? So my habit is to fast lunch twice a week. So twice a week I, I don't eat lunch and I take a time to go and, and pray. So that's, that's my habit. You could do something similar. A, a fast for you, like you have to start with what you do every day. What's a daily thing for you? Is it social media? Do you need to un, uninstall Facebook for 21 days? Just throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, could it be your, your cell phone entirely? It could be food. It could be coffee. What if it was meat? What is something that is so, like, in, like what is something that you, when you look at your day, you go, of course I need that thing. That is the thing that maybe God is saying, do you need that thing more than you need me? And that's what fasting is. If you want some more information, there's a really short book that's called Habits of Grace, and, and it's, uh, it's a short book, short chapters. But I printed off chapter 10, which is about fasting, and that's there in the entryway if you'd like to look at it. And he goes into a little bit more detail. But, but, but the, the call, the invitation, if Jesus entrusts his work to those who follow him, as we look at, okay, I want to do your work, Jesus. I want to be a part of what you do. I want to have the character of will to be able to suffer the way you suffered, to love the way you love. I want to take my affection for social media and I want it to be affection for you. I want to take my affection for food and I want it to be for you. I want it to be my affection for coffee or my affection for television or my affection for... I want to take that and use my hunger for that to be hunger for you.
Will you, will you walk with me in that, Jesus? That's the invitation. Will we pray now? Will we pray personally throughout the 21 days to help you with that? Um, there is a, a daily devotional, Bible passage, read the Bible passage and a couple of reflection questions that's also out there on the table if you want a printed copy. If you're watching with us online, there's a link right under the video to download these materials. Um, and will we pray together? As we're doing this, we're not just doing this alone. So it's hard sometimes because Jesus teaches very clearly, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites, like everybody look at how much I'm fasting. I don't, I don't, I don't tell you, I don't tell you that I fast twice a week so that you're impressed with me. I just, I just try to give you an example. Um, there was a fast that I did when my dad passed away. And I didn't tell anybody, I told very few people about it. I told some trusted people about it so they could hold me accountable. But I didn't cut my hair for three months. You probably noticed. But that was a component of a fast that I did. I set aside some time to be honest with God. And every time I saw myself in the mirror, like, God, I'm sad that you took him. And through that time, I had time to be honest with him. My hunger for my father was transferred into hunger for my father. And so take, tell somebody, tell somebody, this is what I'm fasting. Will you, will you help me through this? We do this together. We are battle buddies through this. But it's not about telling everybody and announcing the world that we're fasting. I don't, I don't want you, I really don't want you to take a selfie. I'm so hungry, day three. Like, please, <laughs> please don't. That kind of thing makes me angry. I will unfriend you. <laughs> but we pray together. This is something that we do together. And something that you might not be aware of, but I want to take a time now to invite you, is that we pray together on Sunday mornings. We have a time that's set aside. We call it pray time just for, like, shorthand. But if you want to pray together, together corporately, then, then get here at 930 and we share what's going on in our lives, and we pray together. If we need more time, if y'all start showing up and we need more time, we can move it back to like 9.15 or something like that. But there is a regular pray time that we have together. So will we pray now? Will we pray individually? Will we pray personally? And will we pray together? Because it's Jesus' work. If it was your work, I trust you. Y'all are competent people. You can do your job. But this is Jesus' work. And I don't know about you, but when I read his story, I am not up to that task. I am not up to loving the people that he loved. I am not up to being patient with the people he I'm not up to confronting the people the way that he did. But Jesus entrusts his work to those who follow him. And so if we're going to follow him, if we're going to do that, then we need to align our hearts to him. And so the call this week is for us to take something, take an affection that we have and steer that towards Jesus. Would you pray together with me? We need you, Jesus. You know that. You're not surprised. Uh, you might be pleased in those moments where we come to realize it better. We need you.
For those of us who have come to a, a place where we trusted you for salvation, where we've said, you know what, God, I can't earn my way back to you. I'm just going to have to trust you and the penalty that you have paid. God, we come to that, and it feels like every, every time we come to your word, we find a greater depth of your grace and simultaneously a greater depth of our wickedness. So, Lord, as we trust you, as we, as we lean into um, this season of reflection and, and fasting and praying and seeking you and looking at the work that you've entrusted to us, Lord, we pray that you would um, fill us with your spirit, that you would reshape our love, reshape our affections, reshape our heart to be like you. And God, if we haven't come to that place where we look at you and say, I trust you. God, I pray for those that you were drawing to yourself that they would make that decision. I don't, this whole thing seems weird. This is all spiritual and goofy and, and I've been hurt by people in churches before. But Jesus, there's something about you I can't get away from and I want to trust you. Lord, I pray that you would draw those hearts to you, that they would begin that walk with you and that you would entrust your work to them. Thank you for this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.